Hi, I'm Ricardo Deacon. Hi, I'm Orlen Willis. Welcome to The Recommendation Game. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. This is a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie that the other person hasn't seen. We watch it and we meet to discuss it. This week's film, first of all, uh, before I forget, everybody fucking go to vote on Friday. Go fucking vote. Seriously. And I... For the right side, Like, seriously, do we... (laughs) Well, yeah. <laughs> do we need to break out the uh, divorce referendum one fucking vote for a ballot box? Do we need to break that out? No, we don't. Just go fucking vote. Vote, vote, vote. Okay, so this week's film is chosen by Orla. It is Seconds from 1966. It is directed by the great John Frankenheimer. The great? Well, like the uh, the spotty John Frankenheimer, <laughs> I'd say. Uh, who's made uh, like uh, some amazing films and some like absolute pieces of shit a range let's say even though like one of his last films alive I absolutely love uh, Ronin with uh, uh, Jean Reno and Robert De Niro it's absolutely brilliant like uh, one of the best modern fucking thrillers shit yeah uh, it's very old school. That's why. I oh, like it. he must have. He was very old when he made that. Yeah, then. yeah. Like it was like. Yeah, yeah. Like on the doorstep of death. <laughs> uh, Lol. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> Ruffle. <laughs> Shop two drop. La la la. Charge it. Charge it. By the way, uh, we're all doing references from the. Puppet class from SNL. Uh, We're all a very strong John Mulaney obsessive streak. But so you you guys better watch that as well, which is absolutely brilliant. If it wasn't just four minutes long, it'll probably be a pick. <laughs> <laughs> I think we we'll get an hour out of it. It is uh, produced by Edward Lewis. A screenplay by Lewis John Carlino, based on the second. Sorry, <laughs> I read, nearly read it as based on the second novel. Based on Seconds, a novel by David Eli, starring Rock Hudson, Salome Jens and John Randolph. Music by the great Jerry Goldsmith. Cinematography by James Wong Howe. Edited by... Also great. Yes, yes, a fantastic chap. <laughs> by David Newhouse and Ferris Webster. The synopsis is, Banker Arthur Hamilton gets a call one day from a friend he thought was dead. Turns out that the friend is not a ghost, but was simply faking all along and was placed into a new existence by a company who can give you a completely new face and life. Hamilton decides to undergo the procedure himself and becomes Tony Wilson, Rock Hudson, an artist who lives in Malibu. He is given a manservant to help him adjust, but soon finds that adjusting will be the least of his worries. Wow. His friend, who's not a ghost. Doesn't this film would have been uh, <laughs> slightly different if his friend was a ghost? I thought that it was like we can a, make mo- you a ghost. That was a modern retelling of like a Christmas Carol or something. <laughs> so, Orla, why did you pick pick peak? Why did you peak. pick this cheerful movie? Well, you know how I despise cheerful films. <laughs> there you go. There you are with the bayonet trying to fucking <laughs> in the rose <laughs> Uh, oh well, so many reasons. Um, this kind of, it did actually end up being a sort of an interesting companion piece to um, Priscilla. I think <laughs> like two films kind of examining like identity and stuff. And I also find that it had a, another relevance that like I didn't even real I didn't realize that um, that uh, what do you call it? Rock Hudson was gay. 
Oh, you didn't know that? I that is not, famous. I did not know. I, see, I don't really know that much about Rock Hudson. Like, this is like one of the very few experiences I've had oh, with Rock I, Hudson. I absolutely, so, like, I'm a huge fan of Rock Hudson. Sorry uh, for interrupting, because, just because the, the, yeah, the term yeah. came in. Like, uh, from Giant to all the films that he did with, uh, what's his face? The guy that Richard used to Douglas love. Sirk. Uh, Douglas Sirk. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be a pick. And all the others, and it was famous that... And not only he was forced to hide his sexuality by the studios because mm. he was too bankable to. Because you can understand time, why, though, like the, yeah, why the he was time, so bankable. Like it was. Yeah, yeah, because he's a charismatic and a great actor. But mm. uh, um, the the thing as well is that the the problem not only that uh, he was forced to hide his sexuality is the studios went to great lengths to actually fix. Uh, like the fixers such oh, a similar no, to really? uh to hill like, caesar that's why that film really uh got me the wrong way because hollywood fixers like uh the one that josh brolin plays in mm-hmm. the movie were notoriously terrible people that ruined uh, people's lives not only the actors it that they felt, were supposed to it fix feels but, a little flippant in uh in hill caesar yeah uh, to the fact that uh they used to pay off uh, people that Rock Hudson were dating to stop dating him because there was risks or whatever. So like his mm. loneliness and his drug addiction and alcoholism yeah, was linked I, to his loneliness. I did not so. know this. So like that that re- the the role that he's playing really takes yeah. on a whole new like relevance whenever it's. Oh yeah, like you can see also that it's not the kind of role that he usually would have taken. No, 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 no. You it's can, very much against. You it. can tell that he took it probably because of the screenplay and also. It did help also that it was by the studio that he was contracted by because mm. this is at the very end of the studio system. Yeah. But um, yeah, so sorry for the interruption. <laughs> it's just that um, it was the correct moment to interject. Yeah, about no, that. I, I find that really interesting and obviously really, really sad as well. Um, but yeah, I wanted to wait a, a while for this um, because you'd picked Persona and obviously there, there are similar themes here. Um, they actually came out the same year, I think, didn't they? Yeah. 66, yeah. Uh, and also because we uh, watched Heart of a Dog, which has <laughs> similar <laughs> kind of themes as well. Um, yeah, this is obviously like such an, it's such an interesting time in American life. Um, just like the, the, the unraveling and like the, the souring of the American dream and how cinema kind of dealt with that at the time. And, you know, like there's so many sort of like movies that look at the kind of, like sort of dissatisfaction with suburban life like the post 1950s like you know the dissatisfied housewives the you know that the, there's something rotten in suburbia kind of thing um and you like you've kind of mentioned even like the Cirque movies um and he did one with Hudson as well is it all all that heaven allows yeah um, he did a couple others as well they're mm-hmm. equally good and uh, like uh, Hudson was uh, famous for melodramas like uh, Giant as well. That mm. is about the emptiness of being rich even. Yeah. Uh, so not even middle class Hudson used to attack even being rich, not as being able to fulfill your entire life. So his choices yeah. were interesting in that way. Even, yeah, even I was thinking of something like The Swimmer as well. Like, uh, which I really like that movie. I forgot about that film. Uh, and even I was thinking about um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf as well. Um, although that's obviously like a much sort of stagier, uh, wordy type thing. But um, yeah, it's such an interesting time. Um, but what I really like about this is is just like how fearless this movie is. Like he really, truly does have the strength of his convictions. And it is just thoroughly bleak <laughs> like, like he does not pull any punches and i feel like 
if it could have ended up feeling a little bit like um, an extended um, fucking what do you call it um, Twilight Zone episode because this is very very Twilight Zone. Uh, I mean, like there are a lot of there are a lot of um, there are a lot of um, influences and, and like even like contemporaries, you know, like Hitchcock definitely, and then all the filmmakers that you can see that were inspired from this afterwards, like the hundred percent, like David Lynch and people like that. But um, yeah, just. I didn't obviously didn't really know that much about Rock Hudson, but you can really see that he is being cast against type here, and he's just so good. Like that transition from the other actor into the into Rock Hudson, and you, as you write, you read it on paper, and you think there's no way that could possibly work, but he's somehow able to convey the like emptiness of that man and that character, and uh, but at the, at the same time, like because like this is such a like a blustering attack on both like mainstream and also kind of like the alternative kind of like counterculture which by 1966 was almost siring like that you can really see why this bombed like a hundred percent like the casting of rock hudson the like the the fact that this is ultimately so bleak and it's a very like tough enough sci-fi film like there's some quite grueling scenes in this and I can you know coming out of a studio out of Hollywood movie starring a very big Hollywood actor um you can understand why if you compare this to something like Persona that is an art movie it's coming you know what I mean they're two completely movies that are pitched at completely different audiences and you can understand why this movie completely bombed at the time well like I think it's also about the the release because uh uh, comparing to another John Frankenheimer movie uh uh, uh, the Manchurian Candidate. They yeah. also had star power behind it. Um, mm. uh, not necessarily that sci-fi, but also with its tinges of sci-fi about brainwashing and all that shit, and yeah. like the Red Scare and whatnot. Mm. But the, more, you know, dealing with the the paranoia of the time, like even more directly than this is, I think. Yeah, but I think that the studio, because it was uh, clearly pointed at an enemy mm. uh, rather than an interior. Uh, sourness of american society that it was an outward looking film rather than an inward looking film yeah the studio actually gave back him for the release i think that the this release was that kind of film that oh, they stalled it a bit didn't yeah they? that they purposely uh torpedo it just yeah. to all say like oh see you can't make films like this yeah almost purposely making the film to bomb it so other people yeah 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 yeah, yeah with james gray <laughs> for lost city of zed and everything yeah no like definitely like it is very interesting and like the idea of the studio system and everything um i think as well um like one of the saddest um and most interesting elements of this is the central relationship and like the just the the exp- like the exploration of like the loveless marriage and like that opening scene when she's kind of like she comes over to him and she's like touching him and whatever and he just shuts her down in her face as she just moves away from him and then like that scene when he goes back and her descriptions of him of what he was like and like how he was like a zombie and like just it's so heartbreaking and really like kind of is able to like like um it's able to demonstrate it in very few scenes and i think it's really 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 poignant um, it is funny though, like how much I think of Mad Men when watching this, like particularly in like the the reinvention idea and like the like the like Don's constant reinventions, like but obviously never ultimately ever actually changing. 
and like the mask or always... becoming a person yeah even. yeah exactly and like how the mask is always slipping in some fashion and like it's like this kind of like constant stream of like escapist like it's a fa- like escapist fantasy of like being able to like just one more reset one more reset and this is it now i'll marry megan and that's my life now um i think as well like i've talked like briefly just you know like fincher definitely um so like you know you can really see that the 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 um the influence of this um but like um you know obviously the cinematography is incredible um and really quite like revolutionary revolution is the right word but i mean it's the, just the use of handheld and the fisheye lenses and everything like it's it's really really stark and the black and white is beautiful uh it's also very well edited um I just it's the certain montage sequences and it's just absolutely fascinating. All we need is a montage. <laughs> it's like fucking Rocky Four, maybe. Um. Also, Saul Bass. Um. <laughs> just want to. Oh yeah, give yeah, him a I, nod. I, I, I did notice that. Like, um, <laughs> just want to give him a nod. Um. But yeah, like I just this is just like it's, I used to call him Saul Bass because <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the bass, about the bass. <laughs> Was it Keith? Um, <laughs> Keith Richards. Earlier on, Ricardo rather trying to say Kitch didn't say Kitch. He said Keith. And uh, yeah, like a you xenophobe. Okay, like it's just because I'm foreign. There's some words that I learned by reading, and I like I have stuck in my mind the wrong pronunciation. I'm sorry. That one was just particularly funny. Um. Anyways, <laughs> this food condimented. <laughs> That's another classic. Um, anyways, yeah, like I just I really love this movie. Like it's it's just it's so dark, it's so twisted. Um, it's really grounded in by in a really terrific performance, and I think surrounding performances as well. Um, what's her name? Um, singing to Salome Jens. I am not actually sure. Um, she's fantastic as well. Um, and even um the the actress that plays his wife, she's really yeah. great. Um, yeah, it's just it's but a, it's Deal's a, version of Angela last week. <laughs> You know, <laughs> um, they spend all their money on Rock Hudson. Um, yeah, like, I just think this is such an interesting movie. And it's like, weirdly, like, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's actually seen this film. Uh, but it's because it's, especially because, like, the mature, he's not a, he's not a niche director. <laughs> yeah. He's not a key director. You know what I mean? Like, he's, you know, everyone's seen the mature and candidate. Like, it's, it's, he's, you know, like, he's, He's fairly um, But at the same prolific. time, I think that he's prolific and uh, well-known. Then some of his films are um, rightfully lauded as great films. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's, he's the kind of director that escapes the, the idea of authorship. Mm. Because uh, in some ways, he was so easily, versatile. He's not easily pigeonholed, I don't think. Yeah, and also what it does, because he was both in prolific, uh, that he was prolific and also his output varied very like in quality quite mm. a lot that there's not that many people that will go back and attack his uh, back catalog mm. as much as of other the subsequent directors movies yeah, yeah like the Which same way that like sad. sam peckinpah had like two successes and the best like the most successful film that he did was convoy which is a piece of shit <laughs> and as well he kind of didn't direct it because he was locked up doing coke in his trailer for most of the film and james cogburn that's had to ghost direct you, it that's not how you direct no no <laughs> well i can't afford coke <laughs> like ask me when i'm a big time director but uh, hey ricardo but the thing is that because he 
in some way because there's a legend uh, like a character around him but also that the alpha will oh, be was like a three man. or four years between between films not like frankenheimer <laughs> the since the 60s until pretty much the 90s he was doing like about a film every two years mm. and obviously the like i said the the it, he never made a truly bad film because he was a good director but the main problem is that he sometimes he either picked yeah he picked yeah. projects that you could tell weren't either developed completely yeah, like or so when he does hit it he does hit it but at the same time he, he's kind of like uh, <laughs> like what's his name John McTiernan reminds me at the same time of yeah. robust filmmaking not just because they're both Johns uh <laughs> But uh, they're both tax avo- <laughs> avoiding bastards as well. So uh, yeah, I think it, Frankenheimer was a bit of an asshole. But um, uh, like many directors and yeah. uh, of that time, power trip. Uh, yes. Uh, but so yeah. Uh, did he did he hit it, Ricardo? <laughs> uh, I'm afraid to say not. <gasps> uh, but not completely. Like, sorry, okay. I okay. I, okay. I say okay. it in um, in in jest but at the same time i'm not disappointed in this film like other films that you have that kind of in the middle that i'm like oh this could have been better etc there are parts of this movie that i really really enjoyed but i think that for one it's the conceit itself um it can be perhaps because i'm looking back at it from modern ages modernized and it didn't hit the notes that i wish it did and also is i'm coming in with the baggage i haven't seen um Something like uh, what's the David Lynch film? Jeez, I can't remember Wait, the um, Blue Velvet. <coughs> uh, having seen Blue Velvet and um, Mad Men, and for the lesser extent, Revolutionary Road, that is like this is clearly oh, an God. explanation of that's uh, such a disappointment of a movie, though. Good yeah, yeah, Lord. no, I'm not saying that. I actually think that this is better with Revolutionary Road. Like it's not, but it suffers uh, similar issues that i want to compare in that sense okay? okay also because they're dealing with very similar themes that is the idea that lynch lynch was the only person that and uh, to a lesser extent matthew weiner with Madman that mm. was able to do the over the picket fence kind of story and make it as interesting as possible without moralization and this movie does kind of slide into moralization in the second half without needing it to mm. which was the same problem that i had with uh, with revolutionary road that the film presents its uh, themes well enough that you don't need to be spelled out. Mm. And this movie is not short. It's about two hours and 15 minutes long, thereabouts. Is it? Yeah, yeah. And the, like, by the time that he becomes Rock Hudson, it's about 40 minutes in. Yeah. The part that is the most interesting about the first act is the logistics of his change of character, of his change of body mm-hmm. that goes uh, from changing the personality, the, how the uh, uh, the whole operation works, yeah. how the company works, etc., <clears throat> and the 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 actual foreshadowing of the future as well, the the thing of how the ending is going to be if you watched it before the film it's spelled out in the beginning i've noticed that and i thought that it was very clever yeah uh the problem that i had in the beginning of the movie is that i don't think that the character arthur hamilton is uh, properly developed to get to the point of kind of just like sleepwalk himself into this operation yeah you do there is a bit at the beginning where you just kind of jump right in 
And the most, like, the most character development that he's given is his dissatisfaction with his relationship yeah. more than anything else. And I think it's that the, also the dissatisfaction of his relationship is played either film-wise, like, filmmaking-wise or script-wise. Uh, there's a lack of understanding of where the marriage is lacking. Yeah. The, his wife is clearly receptive to him. Mm. So usually, and I would have disagreed with the idea of making his wife distance and him being the one that is in love still, whatever, because then it's putting all the blame on the wife. Yeah. But having the 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 dejection that he has uh, to drive him to this moment that uh, he goes to a fucking meat packing plant to... Uh, yeah, well, they do, whatever. like, te- you know, technically blackmail him into it. Like, it's not like he sleepwalks into it entirely. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like he never <clears throat> fights against it until, like, even in the, uh, it comes to the end, it's like, give me another go. Like, even after talking to his wife, like, he clearly is in the position that he still would have done it, even yeah. without the... Without the... Sorry, even without the blackmail, he still would have done it. So... I think that like uh, and that uh, that issue kind of permeates throughout the film because you it still is Arthur Hamilton when mm. he becomes uh, when he becomes Tony Wilson the the issues of the character has because he's just changing his face rather than himself like persona. Yeah. So the clarity, the lack of clarity for the character in the beginning, it kind of also... It taints puts, it a little. It taints it a bit and it also taints Rock Hudson's performance because it's not as... Like, not saying that it's his fault because there's nothing before, but if you compare, like, even with the lesser screen time of even Forrest Gump, that it's not even... Like, let me... Okay. Let me clarify this. <laughs> is that even with the lesser screen time, because big is the same sense, but I don't want only to say about body switching kind of position, but Tom, Tom Hanks is famously good at being able to do the shift between uh, different uh, timelines and different actors. <clears throat> that he picked up the, the, the little uh, singularities in the personification of behavior of the kid in... Mm in uh Forrest Gump and that was interesting as well because the kid actually had that it wasn't that he was putting on an accent it's that Tom Hanks put on the kid's accent mm. to play Forrest Gump and even the way that he held his like his yeah, back or whatever stood, yeah and it feels that it's like and in big is the same that it feels that it's the same person but in a different body but mm. big even more because there's no growth there but Forrest Gump is similarly because he's still childlike because he never developed beyond that that age, let's say, because of his uh, mental issues. Mm. But uh, like I, I was thinking of like an example that will clarify what I'm trying to say. And no, that I kind of know what you mean, though. I think I, it didn't bother me as much because their relationship I think gave it so like for me like that was so fascinating and it told me so much about him I think rather so that the time he turns into Rock Hudson I I had a fuller sense of him I think that but I understand what you mean because like he is thinly it's almost as if they're just sort of assuming that you can project onto him all the things about like this this meaningless suburban life the thing is that the film realizes this Mm. because he, they really cleverly do something that is like in the beginning uh, they do a way that Hamilton holds his hands mm. and when uh, Rock Hudson is sitting with the wife he does the same position and it goes so close up and a recognition like side shot at the wife 
So I, I think that's effective, but because the rest of the the characterization is not portrayed in the beginning, like Rock Hudson's characterization is far deeper than the mm. other actors. And I think it's uh, <clears throat> strangely I... enough because the other actor has a more like cinema verite kind of acting that fits more the style of the cinematography of the film. Yeah. But Rock Hudson's old school Hollywood acting and melodramatic performance really suits the sci-fi quality of this film and also the kind of over-the-top uh, Stepford's wife oh, kind yeah. of moment the when that, they like, realize I mean, everything. Another thing as well to point, like the fact that like, I just love that it's Malibu and like the, the apartment he has yeah. and like the people that are at the party and like everything about it, like it's so fake. Yeah. Like, but like beautifully fake in and that original Stepford wives kind of way. It reminded me as well like uh, the long goodbye uh, like the Robert Altman uh, like yeah. the, the beach house where like, yeah, yeah it's the perfection but there's a darkness underneath yeah that, like uh, but he's just he's, it's like the, the transplant of him from like one fake scenario yeah. to another and that's the thing is that because I, I i was never able to really like the film is both a flaw and the advantage that it spends so much into the actual logistics of the change mm. like about 45 minutes of the film yeah, is these, that i was thinking that this time that there is an awful lot of time of him like going through like physiotherapy and stuff and, and you're kind of like i don't know if i actually do need all that that's the thing it's that, <laughs> like it's what i said that i loved about heart of the dog that you called upon before yeah. that they just go that's what, how it is yeah and then that that's it because you, this, because yeah. you need like the the focus of the story and where the philosophical ideas of the movie is because yeah. they both uh, share similar philosophical ideas that it is in the exploration and because it's hard that the dog to spend like 45 minutes doing that they have more time to play the the exploration yeah. no that that is, i did i did actually think that as well and even like the fact that like there is a little bit too much of doctors explaining yeah. what's going on and explaining to him and you're like i don't know if i need and that's all like i i, I mean rock it's cool H- rock Hudson, <laughs> like rock hudson is six foot five and the other dude is about five foot ten at best <laughs> it's like okay you can change the face but you can't like make the guy a mountain oh, but like I, I i was willing to bypass it but the the issue then is when he goes to malibu is that i get all that the film is trying to tell me philosophically mm. but character wise when he's like not able to take it it's like i don't understand why not yeah because it's kind of like even their love affair even though like her performance is great i think it's a lack of time dedicated to that relationship in that moment in life i think it's part also what i said about the rose tinted glasses of looking it back mm. to uh, with a modern audience well, kind of view. in comparison to something like Mad Men as well like w- where you get so much more time and like it... but I, I mean it's also like you get more time but also the studios even nowadays for this kind of picture would give it a more time to breathe when it's not like the hard sci-fi or action scenes like yeah. just scenes of being mm. so like I think that his change is not gradual that I think that needed to be I think that the problem, the other problem is that I have with the structure of the film is that he never fits in mm. because he's already... He doesn't have a little grace period of... Yeah, like, of, yeah. because he <laughs> hates in the beginning that he has, like, literally, like, the fucking weird Spanish orgy that he's, like, smiling and kissing her <laughs> and then goes straight to the uh, fucking... I love uh, that scene, though. It's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's insane. I love that. That's what I'm saying, that it's the like... The fact the, that there's grapes. Why are you saying yeah. Spanish scene? Like, I thought that they were, like, with little Spanish hats and it was, like, a Spanish... Like, they had the, the little cravats, like, uh, as if it was, like, a Spanish... 
festival. Oh, I don't almost. know. I just thought it was kind of like a kind of a weird Greek type thing. I don't know. Well, like it could be Greek or yeah. Spanish, but like I think the Spanish people are more. I I made Spanish because I relate more with Spain with wine than Greece with wine. Yeah, I don't Even know. They both have of, either way, like you know, bacchanalia. Yeah, like a Mediterranean <laughs> orgy, whatever. Like yeah, like the, the, just the, your the Saturday. <laughs> But like that, I really enjoyed that scene. But if there was like quieter scenes of him actually enjoying Malibu, or whatever, and them realizing that the dream is not that, mm. then it kind of undercuts the the argument that the movie is making that these things are not what gives you happiness. Yeah, chronic but, dissatisfaction. But the problem is that the film never portrays any happiness that he's having with these things. Or at least not for enough time. Yeah, so it's kind of like oh, then it just cuts to suddenly they're together and it's like my woman. And it's just like in the dialogue and then it cuts to like an extended period in the end that is again about the logistics of what happens next. Mm. And then it ends amazingly that I was like, it's the opposite of all these other fucking movies that the the land, the landing. I was like, oh my God, the ending of this movie is insanely good. And I think it kind of like, you're just like. (laughs) <laughs> and to be honest like for uh, to the audience that they like sometimes I, I say the behind the scenes kind of situation of how we record that usually we have like a, a episode in hand as we record so it's released a week <laughs> although in we've advance. not done that in a way <laughs> but we were meant to record two episodes last week uh, and I watched the film like the day before that and if we had talked about it then my take on the movie would have been more positive yeah because i didn't sit there for so long thinking about the movie but in a good way i felt that it's a movie that even without having to think about it for the pockets itself it stayed with me yeah yeah but at oh, the same I'm really time, glad I was, you said that because yeah like th- that's what i'm saying is that like it's a film that i have so many issues with but because also i agree so completely with the the bottom uh the bottom line of what it's the trying underlying to say. theme yeah and the way he's attempting to say yeah, it i think and, as well and also like the and um, to say this that you mentioned the cinematography and the editing and the music because jerry goldsmith oh. is like like i think that there's no better score than the one for the omen and like jerry oh. goldsmith is a genius but it's just so unsettling but i, I think it's uh it's it's that kind of film that it's not even disappointing because I don't know how, like, it'll be a completely different film that mm. I, if I do these changes, you know what I'm saying? Because there's such a popiness to it. Like, it is... It, it, it is it, so it, many things, I think, yeah. as well. And, like, that's what's so interesting about it because I was thinking about it and I was like, like, what it Like, it's sci-fi. It's, it's kind of like a thriller, like a psychological thriller. And then, obviously, there are elements of, like, horror and body horror and... And, and like and at the same time yeah. those weird elements of like the rock hudson melodrama yeah. like that scene whenever he's like he's like grabbing her at the party and yeah, he's like getting you know, drunk you know and, and yeah that and, fake hollywood drunk yeah, kind of. and he's just and he's like taking her like close to him and everything and it's so like overwrought but it's oh god it's just but that's the <sighs> thing that i think that it was genius of casting rock hudson so uh, great also because it calls back to the Eisenhower era of America the 1950s yeah. that is like the ideal of America everything the baby boomer idea that America even in the 60s and 70s with fucking American graffiti were already nostalgic about what mm. happened in the 50s because it was the only decade if you were white the <laughs> America was uh, rapidly a, changing a perfect place for everybody oh in the everybody, 50s yeah. yeah there's like if you're white you had a chance 
Yeah, like you it had was a job, completely you got your, your house. Like in, in the fifties, if two and you and were kids. poor, it was pretty much your fault if you were white and man. <laughs> but like these were the people that were making these movies, so like that's why that nostalgia remains, and that's mm. in a way kind of the interesting looking back at it. Like I like movies that shit on that, uh, on so that soon idea of history. Yeah. yeah. And also that it's like, right, it, there's so many uh, calling of Vietnam and generational kind mm. of changes. And also, ironically, that we were talking about uh, before the of voting and stuff that it brings back to the uh, the shift in g- generational shift of being uh, involved in lives that he his view is that like the main character's view in this movie is the success or that he can change everything for himself. It's mm. the selfish idea of that for some reason, there's a shift somehow around when you reach 40, that people change mm. to that. And I think that it's not unique to this movie or any yeah. generation. They always say like, if you're a liberal, if you're not liberal when you're young, you have no heart. And if you're not a conservative when you're old, you have no brain. <laughs> you know, like that's the cliche. And I think that it's a, a stupid cliche because um, because conservatism in the basis, uh, even though in its face is self-serving and in this movie really uh, shows that, mm. that in its face is self-serving, but at the end, it, it just fills you with emptiness and also... Uh, delegates everybody else in, in your life so if you're not fighting for something else when your life is not perfect you know it's like when you have a dream job yeah uh, let's say uh, my dream job is to be a film director yeah and in my head i know that if i ever become like successful enough to not worry about money and be able to just direct movies and not give a shit just get a script yeah write a script make a movie that's it that I know that my life is not going to be perfect because I have my perfect job. Yeah, no. But there's an idea in capitalism that that's what happens. Yeah, and if you just work hard enough or you yeah. do enough things, you make enough money, you have a bigger yeah. house, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's like built into your brain that like, if I just go shopping and I find the perfect coat. Have you ever heard about the, the gaming term of the grind? No. The grind is like why these free-to-play games. We drop in game theory quite frequently and it's very interesting. Yeah, but like this is really why, like it's so interesting because it's such a microcosm that you can like physically see the, like not physically, you can like clearly see the psychological trends of what leads somebody to play. Mm. Let's say um, a game that I play myself but I don't put money in it because it's just, it's World of Tanks, okay? So. Every time you say that, I'm like... The, you have no idea what I picture. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's exactly what I'm picturing. But basically, but like it, it's a perfect example of what the grind is and what like. But life is the same in the capitalist culture. Okay, the thing is that you have like different tiers of tanks in this case. Okay, you need to very very briefly synopsis. Yeah, yeah, it's very very briefly. <laughs> so you have different tiers. So you get like every time that you play a match, if you do well, you get experience, and the more experience you get, you can buy the next tank, which is better. Yeah. But the thing is that you're not. That's how they hook you. <laughs> but the thing is that you're not playing against people of your own tier only. You're also playing against people that are two tiers higher. Who have better tanks? Who have better tanks. But that's the thing is that you get shot with those tanks against those tanks and you can't do anything. That your bullets just bounce. So you're like, I'm going to play more and pay more 
So I can get that tank. But when you get that tank, you're not only playing with tanks that are below you, you're playing with tanks that are above you. And that's what I'm saying, like, that it's great of, like... uh, like of understanding we're all addicted that. to life <laughs> success yeah but that's the thing is that you always think that it's like if i have that car yeah then it'll be the same but like it's so obvious when you look at just like playing the game yeah and you see people that throw money ago like that in hours and hours and hours whatever but it, i think that you can definitely apply that to like creativity and yeah. how like you always have this idea in your head that like oh if i just had more time or if i had more money if i didn't have yeah. to make worry about money i would create so much yeah. i would be doing stuff all the time it's like no no never at any point in my life have my like affluent times been the times that i have created the most like that's not the two things do not go hand in hand but these things are so ingrained in our brains and it like Obviously, you know, interesting, we can look back and like people in the 50s and 60s and like horrifically judge them for their like, you know, simplistic idea of happiness. But, this, you know, it, it's, it's also where they came from. Like they're probably children, like the, the people that came in that were adults in the 40s, they're children of the Great Depression. So yeah. for their, their idea of like how they like, it's something that as well, we don't understand. They don't want to judge as much as other people have. And also is the fact that in the end of the day, I come from the third world and like I've seen that uh, as given the people that grew up in truly, truly difficult situations that you don't like, you know what hunger is, not in the sense of like, I'm hungry. Yeah. I want to eat is that you eat and you're still hungry and you go to bed hungry. And it happens in first world countries like America and to a lesser extent, Ireland, but it's still here in Ireland. Working poor exists, same as in the UK, whatever, but it's kind of like thrown, shoved under the carpet cut more things but it's the the idea that people that grew up in that environment usually is like with that's the thing is that like for them it's like happiness is a warm meal and a safe bed and a roof over your head but then once you have that yeah what's the next thing yeah and i think that that's the the great tragedy about this and i think that is a the 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 great interest as well that i have in that period of American history in particular because of the the big uh, Eisenhower boom, etc. is because it is understandable why those people oh, will have that. Com- completely. But that's what I'm saying is that like we look back in it now and we, we, you know, even though we're like, oh yeah, we understand it. We're still just like, you know, oh, it's just like looking down on them somehow for like their folly. And it's yeah. like, you think about like, even when you apply that to Ireland and how, you know, like for how many decades of like, you know, basically the entire existence of our country, we were like, and then oh oh money oh money oh my god oh my god money 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 and then okay we're sensible now we're sensible so oh yeah, my yeah. god we have money again <laughs> it's like learned nothing learned no. nothing anyways we have traveled very far from this movie but um, <laughs> yeah coming to like uh, we've been very free-flowing the, the the this episode but i think that with uh for quality rather than yeah, no, well, the thing is, is that, like, as I said at the, the, in my intro, like, this is a very interesting time. And, like, the fact that, like, what you said, that this is being made, like, in the early 60s, like, not very, very, very close to what it's, like, um, not even satirizing, but, like, the, the real, like, ingrained psychological themes of this. And, like, even, even the idea of, like, masculinity as well. And, like, you know, obviously, like, the idea of, like, the dissatisfied housewife is a real trope from this year yeah. as well. But, like, it is as interesting to look at that in the sense of the men as well. And that's obviously, yeah. like, the revolutionary road because it does both at the same time. 
and somehow manages to be a bleaker film than this. Holy Jesus. Oh, yeah, like, but, but it has the same flaws because, uh, uh, sorry, I, the biggest flaw of the movie that I, <laughs> I, I glazed over a bit. That is the. the Michael the, Shannon. Yeah, the, the entire movie, this entire movie kind of shifts into being Michael Shannon in Revolutionary Road. That the movie does enough, even with my my problems that I have with the characterization in the beginning and in the middle and the, the issue that he's never happy with the transition ever, whatever. All of these I can kind of glaze over. But the film does the biggest in the movie can do. It becomes preachy. And I was like... Ugh. like I literally did like a little Ugh. and um, but it gets it all back at the end it, it does but at the same time that's that's why when we were gonna record before because we were gonna record the day after yeah. the ending was just like fucking like hanging over me you can blame me. Gareth and James for that <laughs> but like uh, uh, the hilarious thing is, is that I watch the film with Alex yeah. uh, usually I don't watch the films that you pick with somebody else to have a fresh leg oh you with Alex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and did she uh, like it? Yeah, she did like it. But like I said to her, like we can watch it, no problem, whatever. But I don't want to really discuss it because I want to have like a clean take. I don't want to, yeah, like uh, uh, have a mar my take because I discussed it with you. Yeah. And I went, did you like it? She's like, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And in my head is like, yeah, she enjoyed it more than I did. But I can't get into it, and I wanted <laughs> to talk to her about it. But. Yeah, like I think that that's the biggest problem in the movie is that it becomes like oh, this, like it spells out to you what's been the last an hour and a half. You'll never be happy, Rock yeah. Hudson. Like the the guy, his friend, the guy that plays the older version of his friend. Yeah. For one, is like why he really got the fucking short end of this <laughs> raw. That like yeah, the one dude turns into Rock Hudson and the other yeah. turns into this Seriously? guy. Seriously, yeah, he didn't really spend enough time appreciating the fact that he really got a very very good life. Yeah. It was funny though, like watching it this. I was thinking about like um. You know, the fact that, like, he's surrounded by, like, you know, all these, like, other seconds. Yeah. And, like, the idea of, like, who are these people? And as if, like, the whole, like, but, you know, like, the fact that they have these ridiculous wild parodies is that, like, I can imagine them all literally transplants from, like, some, like, incredibly faceless suburban street. You yeah, know, it's like, but who are they? You know, it's like. But they're all so kind of, like interesting faces as well yeah and I think the party like, scenes why did you turn into that like i like if i got turned into rock hudson <laughs> i'd be like yeah i did well uh, all the other lads is like why did you pay like fucking 10 grand or whatever the the money they were supposed to be paying and i was like I 30 grand it was pretty pricey <laughs> yeah, yeah oh i paid That's 30 grand for this dude like i look like fucking i don't know the you don't get to choose the, though yeah also, it's stated that, like, he's sort of, like, you know, the grandest experiment. Yeah. That it's, like, you know, oh, we've never transplanted you into someone who's 6'5 like, before. I think part of the, the montage as well is kind of to uh, ha- try to explain why this bitty old man, like, you change his face and his hair and he's suddenly rock Hudson. But, um, it's be- revolutionary surgery. Because it's supposedly just the face that they change. It's not anything else. But your man that plays his friend is the mayor in Jaws, and I absolutely love him as an actor. The guy his friend? The the guy that is like uh, in the... At the party? No, the guy that got him to turn. Yeah, Charlie. When he meets him in the reformation school, whatever, when they sit there to be writing. So like uh, I, I really like that the part as well. Like there's a lot of uh, invasion of body snatchers mm, kind oh, of yeah, vibe going yeah. on. Uh, 
like from the original one never mind like and mm-hmm. i think that uh funnily enough the the uh, the person that directed the second one the better one with the uh, jeff goldblum and Donald sutherland uh mm-hmm. borrowed a lot of the cinematography and style from this movie to transplant it to that movie yeah and um but like uh, what you're saying about col- counterculture as well is that it doesn't really go into it the same way because John Frankenheimer seems to be a fucking old man even in the <laughs> 60s. You know, like he's so not oh, with it. Yeah, he's like... so not with it. That like I, I liked your once performance. You, it's like, oh my God. Okay, they're having a sexy party. They're naked. They're in a bucket of grapes and they turn it into wine. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> and it's literally like bottle, it, no yeah. but it turns into the wicker man like which i yeah. fucking loved because it keeps coming back to ron hudson and he's just like oh like low fucking facing kind <laughs> of camera just he's facing. so tall he's such a big man like oh it's just such great casting but like the the thing is, is that with her performance even though it's great is that because that time period is so like sure uh, yeah. short that when the big review that she works for the company comes in, yeah. they're like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I, I don't get, like, yeah, fine. Okay, fair enough. And, like, that's the thing. Sure, sure, I, yeah. I mm-hmm. think that the movie succeeds. It's one of those weird movies that it succeeds intellectually It is a, it to is get a in. weird movie, yeah. But, I, I mean, like, rare in the sense that even for no, this no, type I, of I know, movie... No, no, I know what it, you mean, yeah, that, that it... It succeeds somehow. intellectually but not emotionally and usually those two things are really attached to each other because mm. to understand one thing you had to uh, feel it you know yeah it felt like especially the second half it just felt like a fucking re- until the very end uh it fe- felt like a lecture more than anything you know oh really did you think it was that preachy yeah it was very preachy that everything was like even like with the friends and whatever that it was like yeah but i didn't y- you just shown the characters now. Yeah. So like if you went golfing with them, like they said, oh, let's go golfing. Yeah. It's shown that like, oh yeah, become friends. And then they turn on him because it's like, we have to look after ourselves because we're seconds. Oh, that scene though, whenever he's drunk and they're like all around him is so creepy. But that's the thing. It would have been way creepier if you yeah. thought that they were his friends rather than somebody he literally, the movie says he met that night. Yeah. It's not only that we're presented with them at that moment is that we know that he knows them for like 20 minutes. So it kind of like uh, undercuts the argument that movie is trying to make. And mm. because every change and then the ending, it's fucking like there's something about being locked, like and knowing that you're like what you said about the Wicker Man. It reminded me of there. The, yeah, there's a lot of Wicker Man touchstones, definitely. Like, and Wicker Man came after this. So oh, yeah, I presume that this yeah, uh, yeah. would have been like inf- uh, an influence. But also it's uh, the... Uh, the, the like how like f- it's the thing of casting Rock Hudson to do that as well yeah because you don't expect Rock Hudson to lose the plot so yeah. much oh and it's so violent yeah like so violent and they're like really having to like hold him down oh god it's just and the way that's shot as well it's so fantastic you know like uh, I always think when like watching a movie that is like so um, cast let's say that mm. is like in a way stunt casting yeah that i go who would be the other person that could play that role at that time to think that if it's like unique and perfect i think that the only person could have played that part and i think the film would have been better even though i really like rock hudson Mm. but mainly because also of the the look similarity between the guy that plays arthur hamilton and uh, the um, tony wilson so curious kirk douglas 
because he has the same intensity and the same kind of performance or whatever but not, for one not the size but also I think that Kirk Douglas is slightly softer than Rock Hudson yeah. but at the same time it's like you wouldn't get the surprise of this yeah, ending because no. you don't you don't expect that intensity from Rock Hudson like yeah. Rock Hudson is the kind of guy that punches only in white shots <laughs> you know like that kind of uh, 1950s kind of thing but what this movie as well like considering like how good the, like for one what you said about Mad Men the moment that uh, Arthur Hamilton's wife is driving him from the train station it reminds <laughs> me so much of fucking Pete Campbell getting a lift home that like I got flashbacks oh, it's like Campbell. am I am I watching it who's I talk oh god when he has an affair with what's her name from um uh, like a ah from uh, Gilmore Girls oh my god uh, Rory uh, from Gilmore Girls yeah, yeah. oh god and then they end up like lobotomizing her yeah. like oh god Jesus, who was I talking to recently? And they're just like, yeah, I could just never get into Mad Men. And you're just like, no, oh my God. I remember that my brother would get in because oh. people that hadn't watched it said that it was so misogynistic. It's like, yeah, all the characters are misogynistic, but it's a feminist film because, oh serious, because everybody is clearly in the wrong for being racist and misogynistic. Never at any point is it played lightly. And never that the character, like, you you're, that you feel like, like the, meant... the female characters don't have agency yeah. at any moment and at any point you feel like the female characters aren't more and interesting you than love the fucking Dawn, male characters and then he'll say something so misogynistic and oh. you feel dirty for loving Don but this movie does something that I, but at the same time like I say that it does it but at the same time is the same thing that I said like if it didn't spend fucking 45 minutes that I loved <laughs> admittedly love because I love processes oh yeah no that, it, that's it it's like it's great but at the same time you're just it's like, like it would have been a better movie if you Malibu spent more Malibu is so time. interesting but even like in the beginning that he spent so little time in New York itself mm. and the movie is trying to portray the idea even that in his job he doesn't really spend that much yeah, time it's just like a given it's, it's, it's a bank job he doesn't like it <laughs> and also it's the considering that he works in New York and you have the train scenes it's something that again going back to Revolutionary Road that actually captures really well oh his work scenario yeah not only his work scenario the fact that when you live the in commute. a city so big as that that a crowd is the loneliest place you can be yeah and I think that that is such an and interesting single... humane kind of thing that is the weird thing also of um, of uh sprawling american cities mm. that countryside even though you're in the countryside and you have a countryside sized town because everybody's commuting you don't have the community mm. of a countryside people leave and then and at like seven and they come back at seven like there's no yeah. life in between except like housewives drinking well like this is a film was so much <laughs> happier than priscilla queen of the desert but uh it comes to that time not like I enjoyed it and as well like I'm glad you I'm glad you did I'm glad you did like I did complain a lot but it's mainly because I think that the film is severely flawed Mm. and I do admit that might be my fault as an audience member rather than the fault of the film no I think I do agree with you on some on some of the faults but I I don't know I I just I really I (laughs) they don't bother me you know what I mean that like particularly the the not quite like I definitely agree with you that you know, you don't entirely care 
that as much about the characters as you should and yet you're still really interested in them yeah. and that's really it that's that's interesting in itself because you're like why do I what? yeah but like it doesn't no. have the detachment or something like a Bergman film no, or no, no, a Tarkovsky no, movie no, no. that is like the point is that everything is so like yeah. like they're you're the characters su- are more vessels of ideology yeah, but you're this supposed is, to be distanced from them but yeah that, in that's... this case you're supposed to be emotional about their like I felt that the ending again like not to shit on the ending because it's perfect <laughs> but uh, it would have been like it, it already destroyed me but I don't think that I would have been able to talk for a couple hours if I cared about Rock Hudson's character mm. like I, I was already very much kind of like <gasps> like the like wide eye kind of like that the film ends and you just sit in silence for a couple of minutes I know it's so great whenever I haven't watched this in a while so I put it on the other day and I was just like oh god I hope this is as like you know as good as I you know think it is and then, then you're like I watched the whole thing and I'm like oh it's so great and then it gets to the end I was just like oh Jesus <laughs> sweet baby Jesus Deliver me from the evil. You can never prepare yourself. Um, so what's your favorite thing about this movie? Either, um, actually, I want to say Rock Hudson because he is so surprising. And he just, even though like, you know, you know, maybe Kirk Douglas, I don't know. But at the same time, like he's just inspired and he really anchors it. I Sorry, think, just to interrupt, yeah. is that I didn't say that Kirk Douglas would have done it better. No, I'm no, 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 it would have been it, interesting. It yeah. would have been the only other person that I can see at that time that mm. would have been able to pull the character off. Yeah. Uh, and I think that when you're in that league, like I love Kirk Douglas as an actor, so mm. like uh, uh, it was more of a compliment. No, no, like I know you weren't know. like, I knew you weren't shitting on him, but yeah. you know what I mean, where like he, he really anchors the movie. Um, also, I mean, obviously, like, the ending is so great, but. I, I know I just I really, I really love Rock Hudson and it like it, it feels almost like an insult to say that it's surprising that he's able to do this well, but like it's mainly it is surprising because he's never done anything yeah, like I this mean, he was like, never pushed and never you know well, like he was pushed but like like for example in Giant he's uh, playing like about uh, a character for about 20 years or something and there's a different kind of push like he he was really really good I thought in character acting like in developing a character and like the little takes and stuff that he was in a way that kind of performer similar to Car- later Cary Grant uh, mm. every character is obviously Cary Grant in some way but also that they had like John Wayne that we discussed John Wayne that him with the searchers and he's just uh, John Wayne but at the same time he's very varied and subtle and is able to carry his presence and Rock Hudson had a very like clearly the 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 reality of his life dripping into his work that it oh, like there's a melancholy so in his performances that well, are incredible in the 80s of AIDS. I yeah yeah know that. That's so sad. well like you, you should have known because he is one of the people prominent in the uh montage at the end of the band played on of all the celebrities that died of AIDS. yeah yeah oh i'm sorry rock hudson so like uh, I prepared you for that and you were surprised. <laughs> well, I mean, it was there's a lot in that montage. Yeah. To be fair, and by the time you get to the montage, you're just like, uh-huh. um, God damn it, Reagan. Um, <laughs> what was your favorite thing? Uh, the cinematography, especially the the over the head shot, like over the shoulder shots that are like oh, attached to the people and stuff. Like, it's like weird 
proto steady cam yeah, kind yeah. of handle. No, it's even type. more like weird oh. kind of like proto. Oh, 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 when they oh, it's like almost like peep show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's no, like no. they had harnesses. I think. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. It, it, it looks more like they have a fucking GoPro attached behind them, like you know yeah. when they're running and stuff. Like, yeah. oh, it's so trippy. Yeah. And uh, in general, the cinematography was great, but as a second, a close second would be Rock Hudson as well. Mm. And what I said again uh, of Kirk Douglas or whatever going in is that also it's, it's such a co- compliment to Rock Hudson when you're not expecting that kind of performance. Like he never had that. And also considering the training the actors had at that time that you mm. never you didn't have a school of acting. You just had it and you just had to wing it kind of. It's not like nowadays that like it was one of the reasons that acting styles have developed developed so so far because of studios like the acting studio and uh, uh, Stella Adler and mm. all the, all those great teachers. Uh, but uh, it's incredible that somebody is able to like throw themselves into the deep end like this and dedicate so much. So it's like those two things would be. Mm. And uh, what's your least favorite thing? Probably that Malibu is not longer. That that for me is the weakest point because I really like the opening. Yeah. But I think that I w- I would be happy enough if that was longer and the the middle bit was still yeah the the like the 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 science behind it and like explaining that like I'd be happy enough with the length of that if Malibu was more yeah. explored, especially because she is very interesting and as briefly as she's there, she's great. So I could you know I could imagine like if that had been expanded, yeah. like, you know. And similarly just, to Persona that you mentioned, yeah. that there was like a whole fucking section of the movie yeah. that is the, just the two of them talking about, and it's like the innuendo and uh uh under the surface discussion that they mm. both know who he is but neither of them are willing to uh reveal it mm. and as well as like then also the re- her review would have been like a shock rather than yeah 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 what was your least favorite thing I think it's the also like in a way it's it's weird to like pinpoint because it is like kind of a lot of linked things. Linked things that are individually, move, they're not... If you move one, what happens to the others? Yeah, that's the thing. Is that Individually, they're all part of the same issue, but also they individually, they're not such a big issue. It's mm. just that they're not going to affect... Say it's the Malibu thing as well. That, and the fact that he's never happy there, I think that, it, that the only true thing that I would have changed the movie is that there's, as soon as he moved in, it wouldn't be a shock that he'd be like, yes, I'm Rock Hudson now. Mm. I'm in Malibu. I'm a painter. I'm going to enjoy it rather than like, he's always... Uh, yeah. I don't know even if, I, if it was if just I had a couple a, minutes yeah I don't know if I would have wanted to have a very long extended sequence of no like of even if what? it was just like two minutes that mm. he, and then well, he we, realizes we do that get him out. dancing naked in the wine <laughs> yeah but like it's kind of that's more sexuality than like individual <laughs> so contentment um, yeah uh, I know what you mean uh, yeah cool well that was uh, that was seconds yeah, like uh, I'm glad, until, I'm glad you, you got something from it. Hilariously enough, once you say, "Oh, all these seconds were there," I didn't know what the title was relating to because I'm a tick. But now, um, <laughs> no, suddenly the movie makes sense. Uh, yeah, so that was seconds from 1966. Next week's <laughs> next week's film is Ricardo's pick. Ricardo, what are you picking? Uh, we're going way, 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 way way back in time to 1926 to do our first silent movie and we're doing Buster Keaton's The General. Our first 20s movie as well. Yeah. Is this, this is the, like, 
we we're nearly we've nearly got all the decades now yeah well like cinema started in 1897 which yeah well, is, we gotta get the tens and yeah then ten, we're done. well like you can only do dw griffiths well, really for yeah, the tens that's it that's gonna be a bit hard but uh, because most are short maybe like, let's discount and i'm tens. not willing to watch fucking birth of a nation <laughs> no, for a fifth no, time i wasn't even gonna say it um <laughs> well okay well if we just discount that then we've got them all now well like we might be able to do broken blossoms which is 1919 but released in 1920 or uh What's the other T.W. Griffith film that is not certain? Uh, Intolerance is pretty good, but that's three hours. Okay. So well, that's a little bit of a buildup. We got all the decades now. Yeah. Yay, Ricardo, where can they find us? Uh, they can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, at Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> they can find us on Facebook, uh, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter, at The Rec Game, and Gmail, The Recommendation Game, at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Dublin Digital Radio, Mixcloud. And Which you are can... updated. Yay, I saw that. Well done. And also, you can listen to us 11 to 12 every Monday on Dublin Digital Radio and go out to fucking vote, please. Also, also vote for Dublin Digital Radio because yes. Oh, yes, word. your word. Uh, yeah, just the vote and everything. Mixed cloud. Yes uh, to everything. Yes, 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 yes. Thank yes. you for listening. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> thanks for listening. See you next week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>